so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, let's pray as we come to um, spend some time in God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the kings and rulers may come. Uh, heaven and earth may fade, your word will remain. And so as we come to uh, this ancient but yet so now document this morning, we pray that it would be so much more than just words on a page, just a document to explore as if it told us just about history. We pray that your living and active word would transform our hearts, would inspire us, would encourage us, would shape us, would mould us, would direct us and guide us this morning as we come to it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so today uh, we are wrapping up um, our series on our, our vision theme for the year, New Season. And so uh, over the last few weeks we've been talking about how this is a new season for the church. Um, and so there is change involved in this moment for us as a church. There, <clears throat> there is the, uh, the thought, the hope of emerging from COVID again. Um, and I say again, as in we've had that thought and hope in the past. It, it's not the first time we've thought that. Um, and so, uh, but this morning, uh, we are reasonably light on uh, restrictions. Uh, we didn't have to check in this morning. We don't have to wear masks. We're free to if we want to, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, we're, we're emerging uh, from COVID, it seems, and we hope and pray. And so it's a new season. There's change. There's also leadership transition coming hopefully you've you've captured that thought but that's not just me we've got some transition uh in our diaconate uh and 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 so there's transition in our leadership and there's also been congregational transition we've got um, some new people that have joined us on the journey uh at being a church and we've got some people that have uh, moved on or moved away uh, from our church family so there's, there's change but the focus of this season is not just been wanting to respond to change or react to change but to, to enter into willfully, cho- by choice, a new season for the church, to declare a new day and to seek God in that. <clears throat> and so the first week we unpacked that a little bit more broadly, but over the last two weeks and, and this week, we've started to tease out and pick apart what it means for us to enter a new season as a church. Uh, and so uh, I believe that means a new season that we're refocused on Jesus and recommitted to his church. And so that's what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that we fix our attention on Jesus. The, the enemy wants to distract and we'll put a million things between our gaze and, and the person of Jesus. But, but as followers of Jesus, we have to live in, this, in every season, but to, to live declaring a new season where we'll fix our eyes on him and nothing else. And as the church is his body, we can't have our eyes fixed on the head without being committed um, to his church. Last week I spoke about this been a time for ploughing and sowing. Uh, that those are the, the, the actions in an agricultural sense that, that don't lead immediately to a harvest. You don't plough the field and then harvest the grain. You don't sow the seed and then harvest the grain. But you have no hope of a harvest unless you do those things. And as we applied that to the church last week, we talked about ploughing, been investing your effort into God's church in this season so that there'll be a fruitful harvest in the new season, in the new in the years, months and years to come, and about sowing, been investing financially into God's church. 
and that uh, there may be a temptation like the sluggard of Proverbs to, to, to not do those things now, especially kind of in uncertainty of like, well, I don't know what the new pastor's going to be like. Um, I don't know whether COVID's going to come back around again. Who knows what's happening over there in Europe and whether that's going to impact us. That's a new thing from last week, added into that uncertainty. But in fact, now is the time to plough and sow so that we do see a harvest as a church. <clears throat> And so if you've missed the last few weeks, I gave you a very brief summary, but I, I promise I had more to say than those uh, 30 seconds on each thing. If you've missed the last few weeks, I want to let you know, if you don't already know, that there's definitely opportunities for you to catch back up on that. We have podcasts, there's videos of it, if you like to look at me while you're listening to me. If you don't like to look at me, uh, you can definitely listen to the podcasts. Um, but I do want to encourage you to catch up if you've missed uh, weeks of it. It's not because they're brilliant sermons or anything like that, not that I, th- that I think that anyway, but it's that uh, we're journeying together with a ch- as a church through certain things and so um, I, I understand the reality is of this season, to keep using that word of life, where we may not all always be able to be either present or, or present online every Sunday, but, but it helps us as a church as we build momentum. It's part of that ploughing if we catch up on what we miss if we stay connected in that way. So I do want to encourage you with that. And so this week we're, we're, we're shifting to uh, the last message in, in this series about new, being a new season. Um, and uh, if you'd like to write a heading on notes that you may be taking, it's renewed and reshaped. So today I want to talk about allowing God to renew and to reshape his church. And so I I want to touch on two biblical metaphors today, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Uh, The Old Testament one is that that metaphor of God as a potter shaping the clay. And the one in the New Testament is that of God as the gardener pruning the grapevines. And so we're going to spend some time in those metaphors and and have a look at what they might uh, mean for us uh, as, as a church today. And I want to acknowledge but not apologize for that some of what we're going to look at this morning uh, has appeared in previous messages uh, because this is not the first time we've we've touched on uh, allowing God to renew and reshape his church throughout the the pandemic that we've been journeying through Um, so there's some non-original content uh, this morning I was going to leave that out and see if anyone uh, remembered word for word what I preached in June 2020 but um, I thought I would acknowledge it up front and so, but before we get to those metaphors, I want to go back to something we talked about a few weeks ago and, and say that this is a new season and that we need newness, not a return to the past. And, and so in Isaiah 43, chapter 16, verse 19, we read this uh, a few weeks ago. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforced together, sorry, and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so the context of this is that God's people had their history disrupted by exile in Babylon. And so there's a temptation to look back at how things were, 
to look back at those key moments in their histories. But, but when we do look back, we look back on those things with rose-coloured glasses. And so in exile, they were dreaming about the exodus and that, that glorious moment that God freed them from Egypt because they're in Babylon now. And they thought, it'd be nice to do that again. But while they're remembering the exodus, they're forgetting how much they grumbled during the exodus. Of course, it was hundreds of years later, the same people, but not the same persons in that sense. And so they looked back at that moment and thought, oh, I wish we were there. But the people that were there grumbled the whole time. But when we have our history, our stories interrupted, be it pandemic, be it personal illness, be it fear of conflict or anything, when we have our history interrupted, we find comfort in remembering the good old days. We like to think they were gooder than they were, but we find comfort in that place. And so some of us will find comfort in, in going back and reading a favourite old book. Some of us will find comfort in watching a movie or a show over and over again. And I heard somewhere, and I can't verify this, but I, I remember seeing or hearing somewhere the number of people that, that will watch on, on a streaming service, um, not to support anyone in particular of them. We're not promoting uh, any particular streaming service as a church. Um, but, but people who watch a TV show all the way through and then go back to the start and watch it all the way through again. And, and vast numbers of people, apparently, the, the number of that has increased throughout the pandemic because we find comfort in the good old stuff. And I, and I don't want to say that there's anything particularly wrong with that unless we try and drag our lives and our church back to the good old stuff. See, we've had, and hopefully we can all agree, we've had a fairly significant disruption to the story of our lives in our own time. And, and, and so some of us are feeling that it's just not how it used to be. And we might forget that we didn't actually love everything about how it was anyway. Some things about how it used to be, whatever we're talking about, whether it's the church, whether it's your life, whether it's your family, your marriage, your job, whatever it is, some things about how it used to be were fantastic. But some things weren't so great. But even if everything was absolutely fantastic and, and what we perceive as perfect, the, the, the answer is not to return to what was, but to seek God for what should be now. And I shared this in our first week. I'm not going to put the graphs on. I've just got one picture this morning. Uh, I shared in the first week about like the life cycle of the church. And you, you could paint that on any organisation. But if things are going well, they'll grow and there'll be fruitfulness. But, but even if things are going great, there comes a time where if you don't renew, if you, if you don't seek God for fresh vision, fresh uh, sense of mission, fresh calling on the life of the church, that things will start to go down the other side. So what I'm saying is even without the disruption, even without having to pick apart the past and say, oh, it was, it was pretty ordinary, let's do something new, even without that, we need to seek God for the new thing. And I don't mean the latest and greatest whiz-bang thing, but new ways of, of who he's leading us to be, new seasons for the life of the church. And so God said to Israel, to his people, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. In the immediate context for Israel, that was the end of exile. 
But it wasn't the same as the end of slavery in Egypt. It was different. For them, it meant the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple. But ultimately, the new thing was Jesus. Not that he himself is new. The new thing was Jesus, the ancient one, entering into our history and becoming our saviour. And so if we think about a, a new season application of this word for us, the key imperative is see. See, I'm doing a new thing. God's words through the prophet are, are for Israel, for God's people to open their eyes and see what he's doing now. What new thing is happening now. It, it could be translated, behold, pay attention, take note, open your eyes. God is doing a new thing. God is renewing and reshaping. And the call on us from this passage to apply it to now is simply to see. To look for. To open our eyes to what he is doing now. The temptation will be to seek comfort in trying to get back to what was. But God is calling us to see what he wants to be. This is not a complete amnesia about the past. God reminds them of the past just before he says, forget their former things. It's about fixing our attention on the new that God is doing. And so uh, here, here I want to come to those two metaphors about how God reshapes the new. And the, the first one is that Old Testament metaphor of the potter and the clay. Uh, put up your hand if you've had significant experience or, or any experience with pottery. Yeah, no, no expert potters. I remember my uh, most recent experience with pottery, which was over um, 20 years ago. I was in high school um, and things didn't turn out the way the vision I had in my heart for what that thing would be, uh, would look like. But, but, but clay can kind of be mushy and it's malleable and, and an expert, an expert at clay can shape it into the most amazing, glorious things. And so in Isaiah 64 verse 8, as Miriam read for us this morning, It says, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so the Lord is the potter. We are the clay. The potter shapes the clay, not the other way around. Now, that might seem ridiculously basic for us this morning when we're thinking of pottery, but when it comes to life, we often try and put that the other way around. We as the clay often try and shape who God is and who God should be and how our life should go. And so when we're thinking about literal pottery, this is a ridiculously basic statement that Isaiah is making in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. But when we're thinking about our lives before God, it is fundamental. It's a fundamental shift that we each need to make in our relationship with him. We are the clay, you are the potter. Isaiah, we're in good company with struggling with getting this down in our lives. In Isaiah chapter 29, uh, verse 16, uh, it says, God speaking to his people, you turn things upside down. 
as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? And so that's our human nature. That is Adam and Eve reaching for the apple. That is us trying to shape God in our image. That is us trying to shape our lives in selfish ways rather than seeking God's shaping for them. We want to be the clay that shapes the potter. We think we know best, we think we have the answers, we think we know the right shape. And, and so renewal and reshaping for us as individuals and for us as a church begins with getting this orientation right in our hearts. He is the potter, we are the clay. And so the clay, that is us, must submit to the work of the potter, that is God. It means letting go of the shape we are comfortable with. It means letting go of the shape that we, things used to be in. It means letting go, to put it in less metaphorical terms, of the stories about ourselves and about the world that we're comfortable with. Practically speaking, it means placing ourselves in His hands to shape us as individuals and as a church. And so what I mean by that is, is placing ourselves in his hands when we come to scripture and, and not just seeking to, you know, tick off a reading for the day, but to seek to see how God's going to shape me as a piece of clay with this word of scripture. It, it, it means putting ourselves in his hands by, by worshipping together as a community. It means by coming to him in prayer and yes, in fasting, sharing together testimonies, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see what he's doing. We need to consciously put ourselves in the hands of the potter so that he can shape us as clay. In Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 to 6, uh, that prophet picks up this idea of pottery. And it says uh, in verse eight, chapter 18, verse 1, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I do, not do with you, Israel, as the potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And so what this speaks to us of is uh, that same truth, that God is the potter, we are the clay, he shapes us as he wills, not as our will, because his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But it also speaks that it doesn't matter how marred we come, become as a piece of clay. How mangled and out of shape, how much it looks like my you know, year 10 artwork project. It doesn't matter how bad it goes, even that bad. No matter how misshapen our lives become, God is able to reshape us according to his plans and purposes. That's the beautiful thing. Uh, surrendering us as a lump of clay to God might seem scary as, as individuals and as a church just submitting to him fully and allowing him to shape it. It might seem 
scary, but the beautiful thing is that God is able to reshape us according to His plans and purposes. God is able to reshape us according to the glorious image of His Son, Jesus. God is able to make us a new creation. And so no matter how misshapen things might become in our lives or for the church, God is able to reform that as He feels and believes is best for the season to come. And so I want to encourage us uh, in this time when we're entering into a new season to open our eyes up afresh, to submit ourselves afresh to God the Master Potter, to work us as clay in His hands. In John chapter 15, Jesus himself speaks of God, his Father, uh, being the one who shapes his people with a different metaphor, that being, of course, the metaphor of the, the gardener and the vine. And so he says in verse 1 of John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so Jesus here is reminding us that we need to remain in him to be fruitful. And so this is just reinforcing that idea that we need to be focused on Jesus. We need to be abiding in him. We need to be attached to him to be fruitful. But he also gives us that other metaphor of the, of the father being the gardener. And so there's two things that the gardener does. He cuts off the unfruitful branches. And he prunes the branches that are fruitful with the goal that they'll become more fruitful. And so grapevines, and the metaphor here is, 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 you know, we could think of lots of different plants, but the metaphor here is speaking of grapevines uh, in its context. So grapevines without pruning try to produce too much. If we, if we could anthropomorphize them, that means give them human intentions. Uh, they try and produce too much, too much foliage. Uh, they try and produce as many grapes as possible because the, the aim of the grapevine is to produce the seed within the grape, not to produce either juicy, delicious grapes or tasty wines. They, they just want to produce as many seeds as possible if they could want things. Uh, and so from the, the, the good fruit perspective, though, the result of trying to produce too much is less. If grapevines are just left to their own devices, you end up with poor, unripe and undeveloped fruit. And so the pruning activity of the vine dresser is for maximum good fruit, and so this is a process that they take out, carry through each year and every season there's, there's different levels of pruning that happens. And I remember uh, a few years ago when we were exploring this passage that I spoke to a, a winemaker in town and, and they talked about, you know, in, in after you've harvested the grapes, you give the, the vines a really good water so they suck up as much uh, nutrients from the soil as possible and then they're cut back to just like almost skeletal forms with only a few little spikes off. And then in spring, you let them grow and then you trim them down again. And, and then as, as grapes grow on them, they even cut off what to an untrained eye might look like it's going to be good fruit. They cut off some of that so that what remains is the most, uh, the highest possible yield of good fruit. 
And so the vine is continually pruned at different ways in different seasons to ensure maximum fruitfulness. And so this is the metaphor of, of shaping that Jesus uses. He's saying to, to his, his uh, new covenant people, unless we're continually pruned and shaped by God, we will be less fruitful. And so this church has been fruitful. It is fruitful. It has been fruitful in the past. And there's great testimonies we could share of the things that God has done. But if we're to move forward, if we're to continue in fruitfulness as a church in a new season, we need to allow God to continually prune and reshape us. The goal of the gardener is greater fruitfulness. Pruning brings renewal of fruitfulness. And so I believe that as we enter into this season, as we allow God to shape us as clay, as we allow God to, to prune us as a church, uh, that, that the church will enter into a season of even greater fruitfulness if we allow God to do that. Uh, pruning at times might seem, and I'm sure if us unskilled people watched a vine dresser pruning the vines, we would be a little bit anxious because, like, why are you cutting that off? That bit looks good. Why why'd you cut that bunch off? Because I'm pretty sure that would have that would have turned out okay. It would have been they looked like good grapes. But the vine dresser knows more than I do. Just as God knows more than I do. And so we need to trust him that as he prunes, as he shapes us as a church, as we submit to the work of the gardener, that he has the fruitfulness of the church at heart more than we do. That the work of his hands will lead to greater fruitfulness for the church. And so where will this clay moulding, this vine pruning lead for YCBC? God knows. And I don't. And that's part of the point. But I believe it's a season where the church um, will be called to re-explore its sense of mission and vision. I believe it's a season to be praying for and about the new leadership of the church. Uh, ultimately, it's a season where we need to see, to open our eyes, to be open to what God is doing, both in our own lives as, as individual followers of Jesus and collectively as a church. And it's not just about this. This isn't just a sermon to get you to show up to a meeting in a few weeks' time. But, but that's what those meetings are about. It's about seeking together how God wants to mould us and prune us and shape us as a church. It's about seeing what God wants to do in the life of the church together. It's, it's very Baptist of me, but, but we believe that that is, you know, to use a phrase, congregational governance. But, but what that really means is that there's no one person here who, who uniquely has the will of God and can tell everybody else the shape the church should take. That, that is something we collectively do together as we open our eyes to see how God would mould us as the clay of this church, how God would prune us as the vine for greater fruitfulness. But it all begins with get you and I getting our orientation right with God. Right now. 
not waiting for a new pastor to come and show us the way, not waiting for the new diaconate to form and, and lead us forth, not waiting for, for, for uh, someone else to come into that space, but for you and I right now to get our orientation with God right. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the gardener. We are the vine. It begins with us repenting of seeking to be the clay that tells the potter what shape the world should take or the vine that wants to do its own thing and submitting to his hands and his pruning shears. So we're going to pray. Um, As we wrap up this uh, series called New Season and um, that's not the end of the new season for the church. Um, we're entering into the beginning of the start of the new season. If that makes any sense. And so I'm going to pray that, uh, in essence, a prayer of repentance that we would afresh each of us and as a church invite God to come and shape us as clay, as the vine or as branches to the true vine. But I'm also going to pray um, into this new season for the church and for um, our new deacons, uh, ultimately uh, new pastoral leadership. I'm going to pray that God would help us all to see what he's doing uh, in this season. Uh, So I invite you, whatever that looks like for you, to to pray along in your hearts with me. Um, And... um, either out loud or or in your own heart to, if you're in agreement with my prayer for yourself, then to say amen. And so Heavenly Father, I repent and we repent together of the human urge, the temptation, but we repent of giving in to the temptation, of being the clay that wants to tell the potter the shape that we should take. We repent of being the vine that wants to grow our own way. And so afresh, Lord, we we submit to you as the potter. We submit to you as the gardener, both over our own lives and over the life collectively of Yas Community Baptist Church. We submit to you. And we invite you to come and shape us, to mould us, the places where we're marred and misshapen as a church, we, we invite you to come and, and reshape us to make something beautiful, something that glorifies you out of what might currently be a bit misshapen. Father, we invite you to come and, and prune us and shape us as a church, as the branch of the true vine, Jesus Christ. Trim away everything that will not lead to greater fruitfulness for your kingdom. Come and have your way in us. As Jesus prayed, we say, not our will, but yours, Father. And Father, I pray that together you would help us to see the new things that you are doing. Help us to see 
the way that you would have us walk as a church in this new season. Help us to not cling to the things of the past that we're fond of. Help us to not look upon the past with rose-coloured glasses. But while we celebrate the good things that you did do in the history of this church in our lives, help us to see what you are doing now and what you want to do in us as a church as we move forward. And Father, we do pray especially for our church um, pastoral search team. We thank you for the work that they're doing. And we pray that you would guide them as they do that work of seeking a new leadership for the church. We pray for a new leader for the church. We pray that in your timing, the right person would come and take up the position of pastor of this church. Father, in our hearts, we pray that that would not be long, that that season would be short, the season of waiting would be short. But we pray that you would help us to trust you in the space between. We pray that you would help us to see you at work in the space in between. And Father, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would fix our gaze upon Jesus as we refocus on him. I pray that you would help us, by your grace, to be recommitted to his church. Father, I pray that you would give us the grace to invest ourselves to plowing now in faith of a future harvest. And I pray that you would bless us with the grace of giving that we would invest financially now in faith that there's a future harvest to come in and through the church that we call Yes Community. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.